This week on Alternative Fund Insight, I speak to a hedge fund allocator taking a proactive approach to diversity and ESG issues and driving change in the process. Few LPs can boast as engaged an approach as Corbin Capital Partners, a New York-based firm with $8.3 billion largely allocated to multi-strategy hedge fund and opportunistic credit investments. I spoke to Courtney Birnbaum, their Director of Sustainability, to find out how they do it. Before we begin, a reminder to follow AFI's page on LinkedIn for regular updates and join the industry elite in signing up to our free newsletter, out every Monday, which kicks off the week in alternatives. The AFI podcast is building an engaged industry audience. Do let me know if you want to access it through a commercial partnership in 2023. Courtney, thank you very much for joining me on Alternative Fund Insight. You are Director of Sustainability at Corbin Capital Partners. Maybe we could kick off, you could just let us know what that role entails. Sure. And you know, thank you for having me. So my role as Director of Sustainability is to lead Corbin's sustainability efforts, both at the firm and the investment level. But before I go into detail on what that means, I think it will help to give a little history in terms of how and even why Corbin has the role of Director of Sustainability. Corbin is an $8.3 billion women-led independent alternative asset management firm that specializes in multi-strategy hedge fund and opportunistic credit investing. And we've been around for over 20 years. And so a handful of years ago, Corbin went down a learning journey, which started with our CEO, Tracy Stewart, who spearheaded the start of this effort when she identified ESG as an opportunity and noticed it was largely untapped by hedge funds and private credit managers. So like everything Corbin does in terms of ventures, Corbin has a learn, do, refine approach, which is a continuous cycle. So Corbin spent a lot of time and resources to research the space, the sustainability space. They hired two academic professors and a number of consultants. And I was lucky enough to be one of these consultants. And after we helped create Corbin's ESG integration program, during which we engaged with our manager partners, I then was fortunate enough to join the firm in the beginning of this year as the director of sustainability when they created the the role. We could kick off with diversity. Corbin is investing in underlying hedge funds you know what steps are you taking to push those managers to improve their diversity efforts um i'm just gonna like highlight the word that you used in terms of push Mm. and so you know whether it's diversity or our esg integration program we never want to feel like we're pushing anyone so our, our efforts are really focused on engagement and engaging with our manager partners, serving as a resource, and then encouraging the progress rather than pushing or demanding specific actions. So, you know, steps to improve their efforts. You know, we share advice, guidance, and we look to be a resource both from our own experiences as well as learnings from our other manager partners. So when we think about diversity, what's I think distinct about Corbin is we're not ourselves, we're not only a women-led company, but nearly half our partners are comprised of either women or individuals from underrepresented groups. And these characteristics flow throughout the organization. And so to reach these goals, we've not only spent a lot of time thinking about how to recruit, 
but continually think about retention and have developed their own inclusion efforts, such as, you know, cultural opportunities or career coaching at all levels. And then in terms of our manager partners, you know, they, by and large, they're energized by diversity. Um, and similar to our ESG integration program, we meet them where they are. We discuss their objectives and how we can help. You know, and our advice differs depending on a number of factors, such as their current DEI um, diversity baseline, the size of a manager, how much turnover they have, and their employee growth rate. You know, and, and steps we, you know, we take in, in terms of our advice is, you know, we encourage them to be more creative in terms of how they recruit, if that's important. And if the fund's not growing, you know, we can even provide, they, we encourage them to provide an internship program that could be helpful to give ex an experience in the industry to an individual that otherwise may not have gained this type of experience or had this type of exposure. However, you know, for larger firms, an internship program would not suffice. You know, we feel like surveys are a great benchmark, but you really need to focus on inclusion to really retain diverse employees throughout the ranks of a company. And so given where we sit in the investment ecosystem and the fact that we're having these in-depth discussions with dozens of, dozens of manager partners, we then share these key learnings and best practices across our hedge fund and private credit manager partners. So for example, last year we distributed a DEI resource guide that contained these shared learnings. And overall, our managers are, have been focused on diversity and they appreciate that we're not just scoring them on current diversity stat statistics, but engaging with them on how they can best progress. And you mentioned that your manager partners are you know, engaged and energized about this. Have you seen that change over the course of your career? You know, I think there had always been somewhat of a focus on diversity, but there really wasn't a change in terms of, you know, the pipeline uh, and funnel of where groups were recruiting from. And I think groups have been more creative in terms of how they're recruiting, you know, in terms of, you know, thinking really about skill sets as opposed to just, you know, do you have, are you from the right, you know, right university or from the right firm? Do you know, do you have the quote right pedigree? So this has really helped in terms of widening the funnel of where our companies can recruit. And then I think also people, firms are becoming, and this is starting to be more creative in terms of the actual positions. However, if we don't think about retention, you know, a lot of this, you know, recruiting won't even, you know, won't make as much of a difference. So firms, and, and I've seen now this has become, you know, more of a focus, a real focus in terms of the retention piece and the inclusion. And groups are starting to, you know, measure themselves and hold themselves a bit more accountable. So I have, I have seen more progress and I'm, you know, I'll start optimistic that we will continue to see more progress. And I think there can be, a, you know, an acceleration too of this progress. Yeah, it sounds like the retention issue has um, become almost as important as the kind of, you know, early stage issue in, in terms of, you know, widening the funnel, bringing people into the industry, you know, actually making sure that they stay in the industry and then grow into senior positions. From the sounds of it, it has become a very big priority. Yes, I agree. And a lot of our conversations with the managers are now, you know, I think it used to be, you know, more focused just on recruiting and people looking at their, you know, a sort of a static scorecard of how they of how they look. But there's been more focus on both the retention piece and and inclusion. And I, I think that, you know, it can happen in a variety of ways, because otherwise, you know, you can have maybe a diverse analyst class, but it's not going to flow through the rest of the organization if you don't, you know, start focusing on inclusion and measurement, you know, measure your turnover, 
see if there's a disparity in pay and promotion. We're not seeing that measurement as much, but I, I think there groups are starting to do to measure that area, and I think that will will only help. And you know, seeing that you know where where is turnover happening, and is it from any particular type of you know group of people? How does your approach at Corbyn differ to other LPs? Do you find GPs are surprised sometimes by your involvement and efforts in this area? You know, I think our I think an aspect of our approach that sort of differentiated is our focus on is focus on engagement with our manager partners and measuring the momentum of change or progress over time rather than a static scorecard. And I think that's, you know, sort of surprised some GPs, but then I because of that, there has been, I believe, an increased willingness to engage with us. You know, before our, you know, we have um, ESG momentum calls with with dozens of our manager partners. And in, in those calls, we also talk about diversity and inclusion. And, you know, before these calls, we communicate with our managers ahead of time for the rationale behind our efforts. So I think they're, you know, they're, they're you know, pleasantly surprised that we're not looking to score them, but really engage and measure momentum of change over time. And they've been incredibly receptive and there's an increasing willingness to engage, and especially when they recognize that our goal is to be a resource and to help them progress. And as more managers are receiving surveys and questionnaires from increasing number of investors on both DEI and ESG, they're responding even more positively to our conversations and asking for more advice as they figure out their own organization's ESG and DEI path. Well, you mentioned ESG, so let, let's turn to that. Um, you helped to, to develop Corbyn's proprietary ESG framework. How is that applied across the underlying funds? Sure. Um, so just a little bit on you know why we even you know created this framework. I like to say that you know ESG has sort of become the wild west of product proliferation, and you know, unfortunately, you'll see a, you know, a range of approaches and some are superficial, but some are, you know, some are truly robust. So I think the real edge is to have this consistent framework so that we can assess and measure a manager's ESG approach. And so, we, you know, we've been, and the way we apply our framework, again, is, is really in, engagement. I'll compare the complexities of ESG integration to eating vegetables, sure. which is an analogy <laughs> used by a pitch book white paper recently. So there's a spectrum of approaches on how much vegetables to include in your diet, right from vegans to vegetarians to the occasional salad eaters, and even some disagreement on definitions. So while approaches may differ, we can all agree that adding more vegetables to your diet is scientifically healthier and leads to better outcomes. And so similarly, we understand there are many ways to invest and many ways to invest impactfully. So we're not here to force feed a specific diet to our managers, but continue to help them progress in their ESG integration efforts based on their strategy to improve investment outcomes and long-term success. You know, so our program is really, we found the best approach to do this is to have this robust framework to consistently assess and then collaborate with our managers to promote areas of progress and then measure momentum of change off the manager's baseline or starting point. Interesting. I think the idea of momentum is is fascinating. Um, I guess all this is happening against a background where, you know, there's been something of a rebellion um, in certain areas, including parts of US politics this year. Do you think the industry is kind of continuing on its path? Or could that kind of criticism have any impact on, on ESG frameworks? People need to be or groups need to be more transparent and clear on what they mean um, in terms of either ESG integration 
or impact. And I think it's confusing when group, you know, funds just throw out ESG because it's really about incorporating these material, environmental, social, and governance factors into your investment process, yeah. as opposed to just, you know, throwing out the word, the word. And I think when people recognize, and actually I'll maybe clarify some of the terminology in a second, they recognize that we're, you know, the groups that think about ESG integration, it's not about, you know, politics or, you know, imposing our, you know, ethical, you know, considerations onto you, but it's really about, you know, integrating these material ESG factors. So I think, you know, terminology can often be confusing um, and terms such as ESG and impact are often used interchangeably, but they're not inter interchangeable. So, right, so ESG integration can be incorporated within a variety of investment approaches and shares the same goal as traditional investing, risk-adjusted returns. So it's, and its impact investing goes a step further by utilizing the same toolkit, but to explicitly seek positive, measurable environmental and or social impact as an equal objective with returns. But ESG integration is concerned, like I said, first and foremost, with delivering competitive financial returns. That's the same objective as traditional investing. And they seek to achieve these enhanced returns through the consideration of the relevant ESG factors to build a more complete picture of risk and opportunities with the idea that more informed decisions will lead to better risk-adjusted returns as they will improve outcomes, generate competitive returns, mitigate risk, and enhance the sustainability of capital. So it's really like one of our most notable blue chip equity long short managers recently said, if you're not incorporating ESG factors into fundamental analysis, you're not doing good research. So it's really just an extension of you know, strong fundamental analysis. I was just going to say, I, I think that's a really useful clarification, um, you know, between ESG and impact. And, you know, these terms sometimes mean different things to different uh, firms in the industry. Sometimes it's hard to know quite how much work is going on behind the scenes to justify use of these terms. So it's, you know, it's useful that you have investors like Corbyn, you know, holding feet to the fire when it comes to um, ESG issues. Thanks. Yeah. And when we feel, you know, actually that hedge funds have a really great toolkit, toolkit to integrate, you know, a lot of these material ESG, you know, factors because it's nuanced. And so it's really hard to just rely on you know, single, single use scores, but you really need to dig in and, and research these factors. And at Corbin, you know, we care because, you know, we're laser focused on delivering attractive risk adjusted, risk adjusted returns. So we care about alpha. That's our central objective for our clients. So, and we believe the consideration of ESG factors is a better tool for analyzing a company. It was Robin Grew, that the man group president who said at SALT, you know, it's, it's just sensible risk management as well incorporating these these factors into the investment process okay so final question you know just stepping back a little bit corbyn specializes in multi-strategy hedge fund and opportunistic credit so how do you think progress in esg and diversity by these sections of the finance industry compares to other areas of finance sure well i'll split that up and say esg and then diversity so in terms of ESG, you know, when we f first and we kind of continue to see this and so when we first got involved a number of years ago in the space, you know, we saw a massive void in the sustainable investing space. You know, there's very little attention in the hedge fund arena. And I think a reason for this is like we've discussed, the ESG space is complicated with a range of approaches and lack of standards and, you know, ESG strategies take a lot of work and effort. 
And so, you know, we are hoping to catalyze and move the industry along. But looking at the in sustainable investing space, the vast majority of funds and mandates are either in illiquid assets or long only. You know, a recent PitchBook survey showed that over 60% of investor respondents implemented their sustainable investing efforts in private equity and venture capital versus less than 10% in hedge funds or liquid alternative vehicles. And so for those committed to driving change with sustainable investing, you know, our question is why would you exclude some of these deepest capital markets globally? You know, why stop with private companies and passively publicly traded portfolios? So we believe this void, you know, represents a missed opportunity. And given where we sit in the investing ecosystem, we're in an ideal position to encourage hedge fund and allocator communities to both, you know, continue the progress on ESG integration and recognize and act on sustainable investing opportunities. So we're hoping to close this gap and we are seeing real momentum. We, um, over the last two years, We've seen a 17% increase in our manager partners in the number of ESG policies, and even more impressive, um, a 17% increase in the number of UN PRI signatories, which shows a more public firm commitment to ESG integration. So, you know, so we're, we're sort of opportunistic and encouraged by this change, and we think we'll continue to see progress. And uh, on, on diversity? I mean, I think there's a lot of progress to be made within all areas of alternatives and finance in general. but in general, if you look um, down the liquidity spectrum, you sort of have the, the least favorable diversity characteristics um, on the illiquid end. So, and especially at the leadership level, you know, more in private equity or real assets and infrastructure. And I think a lot of this stems from traditional sources of talent for these areas, whether they were sourcing from, you know, banks or, you know, sales and trading programs. Um, I think that they, they, the private equity and e-liquids were just sourcing from pools historically that weren't as diverse. So I think we talked about where, how a lot of these groups can sort of can make progress and can continue to, to, to you know, improve it, not just diversity characteristics, but really also the retention piece. As we said, like it won't matter as much what you do in recruiting if you're not really thinking about inclusion and even creative structures for roles. And hedge funds, I think, have made a lot more progress in recent years. But I think if hedge funds and private credit, private credit managers really pay attention and have real, in, you know, intentionality and focus on DEI, I think we'll continue to see even more progress. Yeah, and you know, in terms of your role as director of sustainability, you know, I, I guess it's important to really keep keep banging this drum because you know it's been a very volatile year. We've had the inflation crisis, war in Ukraine. You know, some of these topics might seem a little bit less important to people when they're focusing on, you know, big problems in their portfolio and you know, in investor crises. So, you know, how how do you keep up the momentum? Yeah, we've been encouraged, um, especially throughout the volatility. We've continued to have calls with our managers and. And a lot of them have really been focused on intentionally building out the programs, both on the diversity front and, and ESG integration. So, you know, and, and it takes time. So it just, you know, even if they're, you know, they're very focused on the volatility in the markets, you know, this is, you know, I think the word journey is probably the most overused word in the sustainability space, <laughs> but it, it's a journey and it takes time. And I, you know, encourage that. I think you think the managers sort of recognize the benefits to performance over time with both having, you know, a diverse set of individuals um, who have diverse points of view and also, you know, integrating more material factors and that this will really influence, you know, and help, you know, help 
help um, generate strong risk adjusted returns. So even throughout this period and in this and the summer and, and this whole year, um, managers have been, you know, we've been having these calls and they've been really um, motivated and focused on thinking through how they can continue their own, you know, momentum. Well, fantastic. That's a good place to leave it. Um, thank you very much, Courtney, for joining me on AFI today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to Courtney for a really illuminating interview. You can read my five takeaways now on alternativefundinsight.com. As ever, thank you for tuning in and please leave a rating or review if you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.